0: This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Shirog. I'm not going to say his last name. He's going to say it for you in just a minute because I am a respecter of people's last names. He is the founder of... His last name, academic consulting and one of the world's foremost experts in medical school admissions, college admissions and graduate school admissions for nearly 20 years. He and his team have helped thousands of students to get into medical school and top colleges using his systematic and proprietary approach. Doctor, I am so sorry that I did not want to butcher. I'm not sorry I didn't want to butcher name, but I didn't want to start off the episode by mispronouncing your name. So how do you say your name?
1: Yeah. So my last name is pronounced Shem Masyan. It's a tough one. And I tell people all the time that I don't uh, hold them to anything because my wife can't even say it quite right. So you know, how am I going to hold anybody else to a higher standard?
0: (laughs) I, I really appreciate that. So we've never talked on the show about getting into medical school. And I'm fascinated about this topic because... My wife wanted to be a doctor a long time ago, but she was scared off by the medical malpractice, and so she really didn't go down that road but I'm fascinated because I watch a lot of t v dramas about you know Chicago med and stuff like that and the resident and and but I don't know the first thing about getting into college, so uh, listener, if you've never thought about going to college, I think this is going to be a uh, a fantastic episode to listen to if you ever wondered. What your doctor had to go through to get in medical school? They they didn't go to YouTube and watch a the video. There's a lot more to it. So, doctor, can I just call you doctor? Is that okay if I just call you a doctor?
1: Yes, I will live with that. Absolutely.
0: I don't want to worry about butchering your name the entire show. So, give us an overview of. Let's start out easy. Let's ease people into this. A thirty thousand foot level of how people. You know, I want to go to medical school. What happens next?
1: Okay. Happy to chat about that. Now, there are so many paths to end up uh, in medical school and to become a doctor. Uh, In our country, all of them are difficult. Um, And, you know, I'll I'll walk through a few. Let's start with the most popular way, the most common way people, you know, go to medical school here in the United States. It's they go to undergrad. In other words, they go to you know college uh, and then after their degree, either right after. So that's known as going straight through. So you finish college and then you begin medical school right after. But many people take what what are known as gap years. So they'll apply to medical school one year after college, two years after college, in essence to fill in any holes they have in their profile. Maybe their grades weren't good enough during undergrad. Maybe their MCAT score uh, isn't good enough. Maybe they have to participate in certain extracurricular activities. And, And so they use the time to boost their profile. Um, and so that's how you know most people go now there are other situations where high schoolers get into a combined b s and m d program uh you know right from the jump, so they'll have a seven or eight year combined program. Those are much more rare way less common um but the but the former that I described is is the much more common way and and the reason I say it's a lot more nuanced is because then you have things like you know What major can you do before going into medical school? The the short answer is you could do any major. It doesn't matter so long as you fulfill certain uh, pre-medical prerequisites. And then also there are MD degrees and DO degrees. So most of us, when we see our physician, uh, you know, they have an MD degree. Uh, It's a doctor of medicine. And there are some people, though, who have a DO degree, which is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. They both can practice here in the United States. Um, but their education is is a little bit different. Those differences have m- lessened over time. Uh, the, the education is much more similar, but there are differences in terms of how prestigious those two degrees are considered. And then there are some people, and everyone knows a story of, you know, someone who didn't get into med school in the United States, they had to go to the Caribbean or international schools and then come back and train here for residency and so on. So it's a long road. It's, you know, Four years of undergrad, four years of medical school for most people, followed by three to all the way up to like seven years of residency, maybe even a fellowship. So long, long schooling. So if you see your doctor uh, and, you know, even if they're young, but they seem tired, it might be because they just had a long road to, to get to where they are now.
0: Yeah. I was just look at those numbers. Four plus four is eight plus three is 11 to 18 years from the time you get accepted. That's not when you start applying. That's from the time you get accepted and start going to school, right?
1: Yeah. So this is, so again, so this is post high school. We're talking four years, college, four years, medical school. Most people are having a three to four year residency. So we're talking, 11 to 12 years of post high school education. And we're not even counting potential gap years, which most people have between college and medical school these days. So post high school, you're looking on average, you know, until you become an attending level physician, meaning, you know, you're, you're not having to report to a supervisor all the time and all that kind of stuff, you're making the six figure salary and what have you. Um, that's going to be usually 12 to 14 years, uh, post high school.
0: Wow. So what does someone need in order to want to become a doctor? I mean, obviously you got to probably be good at science. You got to be, there's some science stuff you got to be good at, but what are some of the, the, the very bare minimum requirements that you tell your client, Hey, listen, you got to be good in these things. If you're even going to even going to consider medical school.
1: Yeah, I mean, a huge part of it is persistence, to be honest, um, because a lot of students come into, you know, come into medicine having known for a long time. You know, they might have been 6, 8, 12 years old, and that was their initial spark of, hey, I want to become a doctor. Maybe that was, um, you know, encouraged for them by their parents or teachers. Certainly, that was the case uh, in my family, I grew up with Armenian parents who were immigrants from Lebanon, and you know a lot of the immigrant parents and their kids will will laugh when I say this. It was you know doctor Dennis lawyer, that kind of thing and so the the seed was planted really early um, and and so that's a that 's a common thing. but then you know a lot of these students are very high achieving mark and then they get to college and some of them continue that incredible success trajectory. Others struggle. They might've been, you know, in the top 5% or so of their high school, but then they go to a top college and all of a sudden they're not the biggest fish anymore. Uh, And so there are other students who, you know, might be even more competitive and high achieving than them. And a lot of students, when they get that first, you know, that first dose of reality, if you will, um, you know, they think, they think about like, am I really cut out for this? Am I good enough? Do I really want to... those kinds of thoughts go through their head and students who stick with it and remain optimistic about, hey, I believe I can do this. Yes, the road might be a little bit more bumpy than I had initially envisioned or hoped for. I still think I can make it and I'm going to keep at it and remain, you know, persistent because it's rare that someone goes to college, does great in college and then decides to switch. It's usually the people who have that early bump and are like, uh, I'm going to question this for a moment. Okay. And so I think persistence and optimism, because it's terribly difficult. So in our in our country, uh, for MD admissions, so the medical doctor admission, these are the harder schools to get into, but the ones that you know most people want to get into, um, it's around 40% acceptance rate every single year. And so most people don't get into even one program. And so this isn't like college, where if you're a high school senior or, or a parent of a high school senior, your question is usually, where am I going to go to college? It's not a if I'm going to go to college with medical school it's a completely different proposition because you might not get into medical school period which means you won't become a doctor in that case and that's why people need to you know be really committed because it's a long road it's a hard even beginning that 11 12 year journey is a privilege and uh, and it's reserved for relatively few people in our society
0: you mentioned that a lot of people, when they start, they hit that bump and then they drop out. It, it reminded me of our family dentist who went through college as a mechanical engineer, graduated in honors. And then he goes, you know what? I want to be a dentist. Then he went back to school, went to dental school and graduated with honors. That is a very costly. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say mistake, but a costly lesson because. Well, at least he listened to his heart and realized he didn't want to become a mechanic, mechanical engineer. And went back to school. I mean, that I don't know how many people would actually do that, but I, I my hat's soft to that person. But what you're saying is, if you get into medical school, it's an entirely different world. It's not like going to high school where you got a couple easy classes and a couple difficult classes. It's is it like almost like hitting a wall when you go to medical school? Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to MrProductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com.
1: Yeah, so once you're in medical school, the vast majority of people graduate. So, you know, graduating within five years of matriculation, it's going to be in the low to mid 90% range. So most people who get into medical school will graduate from medical school and get their doctoral degree. The hardest part is getting into medical school. After that, it's putting in the time. Most people will go to medical school, get their degree, match into a residency, and then go on to have their careers. They might not match into you know, a very competitive residency, like let's say you're trying to get into dermatology or ophthalmology or neurosurgery. Those are very competitive. But to become a, you know, a physician and practice here, those are more or less assured for most people. Um, But getting in, different story. Uh, And that's why we assist people because it's it's such a crazy process. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. You have a lot of discussion forums online. There's a lot of hearsay within the pre-med community. And I heard this is true. Someone told me X, I know someone who did this, so I must do this. And it goes on and on. It's like a never ending rumor mill. You tell people, no, that's wrong, but they've heard it so much that they can't shake that misinformation. And um, it's just really, I mean, it's a, it's a bumpy road, like I said, for a lot of people.
0: So if someone is listening to this conversation and either they want to go to medical school or maybe they have a child, a nephew, a niece, a cousin that wants to go to school and this person has said, look, I, I really like to be a doctor. Or I like to be a neurologist, whatever the case may be. At what age should they start getting things ready? I'm sure you can't do it when you're in your last couple months of senior school of high school, you have to start early. So what, at what age do they really start have to like really be focused on their tasks to get into medical school?
1: Yeah, there are different ways to think about that question. If we're talking purely for medical school admissions, when do you have to get serious about it? Freshman year of college. You have to get serious. Obviously, if you're you know, studying history and think you're going to become a lawyer and then change your mind, you know, obviously, whenever you change your mind, you might be a little bit behind the eight ball, but you can catch up quickly. But uh, if you know that you want to be a doctor uh, from the jump, uh, you know, freshman year of college, taking the right courses, participating in the right extracurriculars, research patient exposure all those different things now if people are interested in becoming a doctor uh, I am not saying that you should twiddle your thumbs before then um, but what I'm saying is the pre college years don't count for medical school admissions no one's looking at what you did in high school your grades you know who you got with. no one really looks at that no one cares you don't even report it however I believe that the work habits that students start to develop as early as junior high actually have incredible downstream effects for medical school admissions later on. So students who, you know, seventh, eighth grade, certainly into high school, really sharpening their interest because the students who participate in extracurriculars related to healthcare, Usually, if they have a positive experience, it reinforces their interest. And if they have a negative experience, that's also going to do the opposite, right? Where they're going to lose motivation and all that kind of stuff. But I actually think that's a good thing. Uh, Not because I think it's good for people to be weeded out, not at all. But I think it's good for people to learn early what they're not interested in. Because there are too many people who sort of cruise through You know, junior high and high school, they get into college and then they kind of get punched in the mouth, right? Like they get their first B, B minus, and it sort of rattles their confidence. It They question everything because part of their identity ever since they were kids is I was going to do X, Y, and Z, but now I'm not going to do that anymore. And that becomes a, that becomes a huge stumbling block. The parents freak out what happened in college, something changed. We chose the wrong college, all this kind of stuff, but they weren't necessarily battle tested until they went to college. And so I think that, you know, pushing your kids to read, comprehension is a huge one because a lot of people, when they take the MCAT, they have uh, poor comprehension. And so they struggle with that section of the test. And if they don't have the good work habits, then, you know, when you get to college, no one's calling your parents to say, Johnny didn't submit their homework last week, is he okay? They just give your kid a C. You know what I mean? And so parents, I think, have to instill in their kids that, intrinsic motivation that self-drive because once you get to college no one's going to ask you hey did you do your work did you participate in this activity and, and this and that you're left to do your own thing and if you don't have that muscle trained from way earlier it's going to hurt you so technically what matters is freshman year of college and up but i think the foundations from six ten years prior to that are incredibly important for your success down the line
0: what is MCAT? Because I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah. So the MCAT, MCAT, stands for Medical College Admission Test. And people can think of it as the SAT or the ACT for medical school admissions. Okay. Uh, it's the standardized test. It is incredibly difficult. Uh, it's often, co- it's considered by many to be the hardest standardized test, like the hardest popular standardized test in our country when you compare it to GRE, LSAT, GMAT, SAT, ACT—it's sort of the—it's sort of the monster, uh, you know, that people are trying to slay, and uh, it, it really trips up a lot of people. I know students with 3.9 GPAs who have 50th percentile MCAT scores and, and really plateau and hit a ceiling, and and so that's another one. You go through school, you do well, and then uh, you know you you go into this test for one day. You thought you were close, and then it knocks you back. Uh, and then that rattles people. You know, I thought I was going to do it, and then this final test. You know, I stumble. What do I do? Which again rattles people's confidence. So, this is why I say you got to have um, persistence, resilience, uh, early strong work habits. Uh, it all comes back if you don't.
0: When do you take the MCAT? I mean, is that like after undergraduate, right before you get to medical school? At what point does that when that does that happen?
1: Yeah. So the MCAT, most people. Uh, they take it as early as the summer after sophomore year, and as late as a month before they apply, uh, or at the time of their application, which I don't recommend that timeline, the latter timeline. Uh, the reason why the earliest you would take it, the summer after sophomore year is it tests a lot of information covered in your pre-medical prerequisites. So the biochemistry, physics, and math. And so by the time you're done with your sophomore year of college, most pre-med students, students who started out as pre-med, they will have completed somewhere between 75 and 90% of their pre-med prerequisites. And so that's an early time to sit for the exam. It's fresh. You just got through it. Because if you wait three years, you're going to be like, what the heck was that, you know, chemistry material that I studied way back? Stoichiometry? What? Like, I remember it was a funny word, but what is that again? and so you want to you want to make sure that it follows you know pretty closely follows the time when you took those things because otherwise you know let's say you went into i don't know uh, pharmaceutical sales or something after college and then two years three years in you're like actually I do want to go to medical school your mcat prep's going to take longer because you know that stuff has atrophied it's not there anymore you know if i sat for the mcat today I'm not going to remember, you know, the definition for torque. And you know, I'm going to have to study that stuff again. It's going to take me way longer than, you know, someone who's 21 year old, you know, they studied it last week. Uh, they're all in.
0: So, you're a clinical psychologist and you had to go to medical school, correct? I did not go to
1: medical school. No. So, I um I went to Cornell for my undergrad mark and I had done very well there. Had a 3.9 GPA. I was pre-med. I was pre-med since like eight years old when I realized I'm not going to make the NBA. You know, when I realized the Lakers, you know, aren't going to draft me. I'm, you know, I'm an L.A. kid. And uh, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be a physician. My parents said, doctor, my brother wants to be one. He's older than me. I trust him, and uh, so I, you know, I, I did very well uh, all through high school and in college, and but I was doing a lot of mental health research at the time. I grew up with Tourette's syndrome, so I was always drawn to drawn to psychiatry and that world. And I always thought I'd be a psychiatrist or a neurologist, something with the brain. And uh, really, for me, it was you know when I was studying for the MCAT right after college, um, you know, I, I opened the book. I remember physics was the first section, and I was like. I'm not going to use this. You know, I don't like physics. I don't want to study this anymore. And then that was like the light bulb for me of, oh, when I go to medical school, I might have to study bones and that's, I don't care about bones. And that was a, you know, that was like, well, why am I going to do that stuff? Let me go straight into the field that I want to go into. And uh, so I did my PhD in clinical psychology at UCLA and, and absolutely loved it. But I, you know, the whole time, uh, even in college and beyond, and now I do this full time, I've been helping people get into medical school. So it's kind of weird uh, as far as, you know, I, I love helping people become physicians uh, and, uh, and helping them, you know, pursue that education and career, even though for me, I decided to go down a different path.
0: Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. Did you actually take the NCAT or did you not take it? No,
1: it was like two, three days into studying. Um, so I was, you know, it, it sort of hit me. I was like, I'm doing all this patient exposure work in mental health. I'm working in clinics. I'm doing this research. I'm doing all this community service work. And I was, you know, studying. I remember I, uh, I just sent the book back to Amazon or whatever and then ordered a, ordered a GRE book at the time. So, uh, yeah, I decided to go down a different road.
0: Is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners today that you think they should know if they we didn't cover already, obviously about getting into medical school. any myths you want to share with us or uh, warnings, I guess warnings in the in air quotes here?
1: Yeah, I'll share you know I'll, I'll dispel one myth and maybe provide some encouragement uh, I'll, I'll give one of each. Um, as far as myths go. A lot of students, when they approach the medical school admissions process, uh, they treat it like a checklist and it's a terrible idea. What I mean by this. So everybody knows it's not a secret that, you know, you have to get enough physician shadowing. So physician observation, seeing patients, getting direct patient hours, uh, doing research in a lab, whether it's a wet lab or a clinical research job or whatever, or community service. You know, everybody knows you have to get those four things. So shadowing, patient exposure, research, and community service. Mm. Most people just think they should take on whatever comes their way. They get, they panic, uh, they join a club, they do, you know, they join this lab, whatever, without thinking about, you know, is there any connection between anything that I'm doing? And so what they end up doing is they become what I call randomly well-rounded. This is the kid who, you know, uh, observed a gastroenterologist. Uh, They did research on, you know, in neuroscience, they did community service, you know, they tutored kids uh, in math from, you know, who live in low-income neighborhoods. And, you know, and they just sort of, and then they saw patient exposure they did in, let's call it geriatrics. And so there's no common thread. There's just like, yeah, you check the boxes, And usually the the types of questions these people ask is, how many hours of shadowing do I need? How many hours of research do I need? They basically want to be told, if you do these four things, son, you're going to get into medical school. But it doesn't quite work that way because you have to have a very clear narrative across your extracurriculars, which are then translated when you actually apply to medical school. So the person who's randomly well-rounded, you know, when I look at their app, I'm going to say why the, I, I can't put my finger on it. Who is this gal? You know, what did she actually care about? And then when you write about it in your personal statement, there's no clear theme that's woven across the different activities and then people get into trouble essentially. And so I tell people to develop focus. What do you enjoy? What populations do you want to serve? What problems do you want to solve? And when you can figure that out early, then you're going to be in a much better situation relative to the person who just kind of, you know, picked a little bit from here, picked a little bit from there, and so on. So that's one thing that I encourage students not to do, treat it like a checklist. And then as far as, you know, words of advice or something I want, want people to walk away with, I mean, I touched upon it earlier, but this idea that, you know, if you're, if you're an aspiring pre-med or you're an aspiring medical student and you're already in college, You have to be okay with the idea that you might fail along the way. And failure can mean a lot of different things for different people. Failure for someone who's got an A's their whole life might be their first B. A failure might be not being able to secure a research position because rare, you know, most people aren't hiring right now. Or it might be that you tried to apply to medical school the first time and you didn't get in, and now you're facing reapplication, or you didn't do it on the MCAT. Work. And even if you cruise through it, you might get to medical school or residency and hit a mental issue, right? Where you're where you're in a situation you're like oh my gosh, it's been a slog. I got through medical school. Now I'm in residency working 16 hour days and you're just like, do I really want to do this? And it feels like you've been spending so many of your years, you know, working your tail off and now you're here. It was supposed to feel better, but it doesn't. You feel like you failed yourself almost. You're disappointed in in that. Something was promised to you, you feel like, but it's not coming to fruition. And so it's not something to avoid. I think, you know, as parents, it's interesting. Uh, it starts young, right? Like I, I'm, a fa- I'm the father of a three-year-old son and I expect my child to fail all the time. You know, he's he currently uses incorrect grammar all the time, right? And it's cute. We laugh, you know, we respond with the correct grammar. We We know it's coming. We know he's getting there. When he was learning to walk, he would fall all the time. We weren't protecting him from falling or... We know that's part of the growth process. Somewhere in development, I found that a lot of parents get protective. We're no longer okay of our kids failing. Once they enter grade school and there's a mark and we're being scored and, you know, rewarded or punished or all these kinds of things people start avoiding failure like it's the plague. But then that leads to a situation where our students don't have a lot of resilience. And so there are a lot of people who get up to the college point. Like I said, they've been you know, pushed and you know to succeed and protected from failure. The teacher says that your kid's not working hard enough. We get mad at the teacher, all these kinds of things. And so we have to develop that muscle. And if you haven't, and if you are have been very protected, You know, at least being mentally ready for the possibility of hitting a wall at some point in some way. And for that to not spell, you know, doom for you, but rather to be like an uncomfortable but necessary part of your growth.
0: Very interesting. Very, very interesting. I'm just I don't want to go to medical school but I'm very fascinated with what you share with us on the show today. So, where can we go to find out more about you and how you're serving the people your clients? Yeah, thanks Mark. Um so
1: shamasianconsulting.com is the URL. I'm sure you'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, you know, it's it's also not intuitive to spell. It doesn't just roll off the tongue for most people. So shamasianconsulting.com and it's very easy to, you know, see our contact forms on on our site and to get in touch via email or filling out a form through our site. And it would be a treat to support people. And there are a bunch of resources. So even if you type my last name and I don't know, average MCAT score for med schools, you know, we'll have a resource on that that'll pop up in Google and it would be a pleasure to, to support folks.
0: Okay. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I learned a lot about what it is to get into medical school. I was really fascinated because I wrote down four years undergraduate for a medical school, but I didn't didn't connect it until almost the end of the episode that the undergraduates, when you're going for your pre-med school, I didn't make the connection, but now I do. So listener, if you just got that, I just got it too. So don't feel bad. So it's a lot of work, but you don't want your doctor, like I said at the beginning of the show, to get their doctor's degree from YouTube. You want them to go through the training. Although I do not like the 16 hour days. I think they should be a regulation where doctors shouldn't work more than two, uh, 12 hour days. And after three days, they have to take two days off. I want my doctor, if I get in an accident, roll in the ER, I want my doctor to be fresh. I don't want them to work like, have like three hour, three hours of breaks in three days. And I don't know why the medical people because the residents and the, the, the senior guys saying, well, I did it. So you got to do it. I think somewhere along the line, someone's got to stand up and said, no more, we're going to have a maximum amount of hours and that's it. Because, you know, I've been in the yard ER with people before and the doctors are like exhausted. I'm like, do I really want this doctor to operate on my, to treat my, my, my loved one or operate on my loved one. So I, I don't know what the solution that is, but I know doctors at work and I've seen them on hours and I know that you need to take care of yourself or you're not going to be your optimal version of yourself. So you want to say anything about that? Amen. Okay. Amen. Yeah,
1: no, happy to speak on that. You know, funny enough, my brother's an emergency physician and yeah, you're, you know, I, I say similar things all the time and folks are talking about this all the time. I've been hearing it for decades about, yeah, we need to shorten the hours for residency and it's gotten way better and all that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of residents and they're working seemingly all the time so i'm like what was it like before and then i talked to my father-in-law who's a physician and he and he talks about yeah we used to you know sleep there uh, a lot of the days because we had back-to-back shifts and all this kind of stuff and what have you but you're right you know i had to do it it was this way when i back then for me that's not a good enough reason uh, to do things that are unjustified not only in medicine but also in life you know i had to you know crawl through mud to get to schools. Well, well, but that's not a good thing. Why are we sticking to this? Um, and, and so I just, you know, encourage people, even if it means that they had to make a, a certain sacrifice, uh, but it wasn't a positive thing that, you know, to to basically break that cycle and, and make it better for so- our society, because it's not about, you know, someone else doing it because you had to do it. It's about the end patient uh, that we want to take care of and also our doctors so they don't burn out, you know, um, there's a high rate of, you know, suicide and, you know, mental health issues within the physician community. And, you know, this, this expectation that you got to be on all the time and, uh, you know, this you got to help people, you got to put others before yourself. It's, it's very difficult and it wears on a lot of people. So, so well said, Mark. Thank you. Wow.
0: Well, doctor, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was an absolute thrill having you here.
1: Yeah, thank you. A Pleasure to be on and
0: thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchesky podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value value. So if you want to sign up absolutely free, just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.